0: Hello and welcome to the Bipolar Feminist Podcast. This is your host, Nikita Ramkisoon, and today we're talking about trans-exclusionary radical feminists, or TERFs, and how they are not feminists. While I do not wish to give these so-called feminists any more airtime than they deserve, it is important to understand what they're about so we can combat their dangerous rhetoric. Trigger warning. This episode makes mention of transphobia, racism, misogyny, and violence against trans people. Over the past two years, disputes between two groups of people, both calling themselves feminists, have erupted on the internet and off, and drawn considerable interest even outside feminism. These disputes concern the status of some of the most discriminated against and marginalized women, trans women. In this debate, one group advocates for these women by insisting on their recognition as women and maintaining that feminism requires fighting for their rights as women. The other group questions, and often denies, the recognition of trans women as women. They fight against the key demands of trans women, particularly by insisting that this opposition is somehow feminist. The thing is, this should not be a debate. A human's right to exist the way they want to, that affects nobody else, should never be up for debate. Gender is a construct, just like race, but the implications of discrimination based on both are very real. Something as simple as cis people never being asked why they're cis, but trans people constantly being asked why they're trans, is a microaggressive suggestion that transness is not normal. The Australian writer and academic Jermaine Greer, who has been a major voice in the second wave feminist movement, once said, I'm not saying that people should not be allowed to go through that sex change procedure. All I'm saying is that it doesn't make them a woman. That this statement is transphobic is obvious, but the ones who do not believe that transphobia is wrong, trans-exclusionary radical feminists or TERFs, rest on the belief that trans women are not women, or are, at best, misogynistic caricatures of women. Sometimes, TERFism also manifests as gender-critical feminism, which holds that gender is societal conditioning and that women, as a biological class, are oppressed by men, as a biological class. TERFs do not believe in gender identity, only sex. A notable TUF, JK Rowling, elucidated this in a tweet saying, if sex isn't real, the lived reality of women globally is erased. The idea that having a gender identity which differs from one's assigned sex makes that sex obsolete is scientifically unfounded and illogical. Gender identity is not determined by one's sex. TUFs believe that genitals define your relationship with oppression over a lifetime. In other words, being born with a penis creates an oppressor and a vagina creates one that will be oppressed. Many understand, however, that it is not sex that determines one's experiences with oppression, but gender identity's relationship with that sex. Cisgender women are undeniably oppressed in comparison to cisgender men, and their oppression is not dismissed when compared to their transgender sisters. Transgender people face discrimination, harassment, and assault in almost every facet of their lives, from housing and work to relationships with peers and family members. They need just as many protections, if not more, than cisgender women require. TERFs also assert that the term TERF is a slur. Their argument turns on the fact that some of the people using the term TERF combine it with angry and even at times violent and abusive rhetoric. But many terms are regularly combined with angry or even violent or abusive rhetoric. Murderer, fascist, racist, democrat, republican, brexiter, remainer, Tory. That doesn't make them slurs. TERF is not a slur. Nonetheless, I don't like the word, because it's inaccurate and misleading. Because TERFs are neither radical, nor are they feminist. The beginning of the conflict between trans people and trans-exclusionary radical feminists can be traced back to the 1970s, and was at its peak when Janice Raymond published the acclaimed book The Transsexual Empire, in which she wrote, All transsexuals rape women's bodies by reducing the real female form to an artifact, appropriating this body for themselves. Transsexuals merely cut off the most obvious means of invading women so that they seem non-invasive. The term TERF was first written on the internet by writer Viv Smythe and used orally by multiple cis and trans activists before her. If there was a checklist for what makes an individual a woman, it would fail spectacularly. Not all women have the same biological functions. Some don't menstruate, some can't birth children, and some don't have breasts. If it is lived experience, then that fails too there does exist a section of women who can't undergo sexual harassment and discrimination. What unifies women, perhaps, is only that they believe that they are women and want to live their lives as women. Any attempt to catalogue the commonalities among women has the inescapable result that there is some correct way in which to be a woman. This will inevitably encourage and legitimize certain experiences of gender and discourage and delegitimize others, subtly reinforcing and entrenching precisely those forces of socialization of which feminists claim to be critical. And what's worse, it will inevitably leave some people out. It will mean that they are real women whom feminism should be concerned about and that they are imposters who do not qualify for feminist political representation. TERFs have become so concentrated on spreading anti-transgender sentiment that they have diverged from their feminist agenda. They are hypocrites who work with ultra-conservative misogynists to limit transgender rights and freedoms rather than increasing them for all women. By passing bills against trans-inclusive bathrooms, limiting access to medical treatments such as gender-affirming care and smearing the name of Planned Parenthood, TERFs have become a blight on true feminism. While third-wave feminism is deeply influenced by intersectionality and has mostly been pro-trans rights, multiple second-wave feminists, including influential voices like Greer and Raymond, continue to hold trans-exclusionary beliefs. However, a large number of turf issues of concern, trans women being allowed into women's or gender-neutral washrooms, trans women identifying as women, trans women riding a trend, a cult, a fetish, are focused on trans women, women who are assigned male biologically and societally at birth, and rarely on trans men, men who are assigned female biologically and societally at birth. So TURFism is rooted in transmisogyny. People say radical feminists and TERFs are transphobic when in reality most of their problems rest with trans women in particular. These people are inherently transmisogynistic. Their problem does not encompass trans men. They believe that penises are inherently oppressive, and that people need to be socialized as one gender to actually be that gender. They are biological essentialists, while also calling for the abolition of stereotypes, patriarchy, and other institutions that rely on the very biological essentialism they believe in. The heart of TERF trans misogyny is seeing trans women as imposters. Trans women know that they are women within, and that they need to live as women to achieve some semblance of mental stability, even though for many people the dysmorphia never goes away. But TERFs believe that trans women want to speak over or replace cisgender women with themselves. TERFs also believe that trans women play up the ideal standard of femininity to come across as better than cisgender women, which is bizarre. It's difficult to precisely define radical feminism, but it is clear that it includes a commitment to a very substantial overhaul of inherited attitudes about such things as femininity, masculinity, sexual desire, and relationships between genders. These attitudes, radical feminists maintain, are deeply intertwined with the sexual domination of women by men. Among other things, this typically involves not taking our desires and attractions at face value, but subjecting them to critical scrutiny. Furthermore, intersectionality in activism and justice has been shown to be of the utmost importance as oppression can be compounded with one's gender, sexuality, race, social class, etc., If even one marginalized group is excluded from movements to which they belong, the movement loses its credibility and momentum. It instead becomes a competition of oppression, or the Oppression Olympics, as the turfs have created by excluding anyone who does not identify as cisgender. They have chosen to direct their efforts towards hatred rather than working together against the common enemy, patriarchy itself. Indeed, I hesitate to attach the label feminist to any view that is committed to worsening the situation of some of the most marginalized people. And trans women are undoubtedly the most marginalized. Consider that 30% of trans teen girls attempt suicide, or that anti-discrimination laws that cover gender identity are rare, or that 72% of victims of anti-LGBTQ or HIV-related hate crimes are trans women, majority black. An absolutely key component of this marginalization and discrimination is the denial of trans women's identity. To be a feminist, you do not have to be in support of every group of women. Just to take one example, white supremacist women don't deserve our support. But feminists should not stand in opposition to one of the most marginalized groups of women. Of course, defining feminism is an ongoing challenge. But embedded in the term TERF is the idea that people working to harm the interests of marginalized women are radical feminists. And we certainly shouldn't take that either radicalism nor feminism for granted. What is more, extant ideas about the gender binary remain tied up in assumptions about race, racial purity or hierarchy, and, ultimately, white supremacy. Last year, a study by Human Rights Watch concluded that more than three-quarters of the trans and non-binary people killed in the U.S. were people of color, with trans women of color at a particular risk. The same study showed that from 2016 to 2021, between 88% and 91% of the transgender people killed in Florida, Ohio and Texas were people of color. These statistics are especially concerning, given the recent surge of white supremacy and far-right conservatism in the U.S. and spreading into Europe. A study by the National LGBT Task Force said discrimination was pervasive for the entire study, but anti-transgender bias coupled with structural racism meant that transgender people of color experienced particularly devastating levels of discrimination, with black respondents often faring worse than all others. Among the key findings of the analysis released, said black transgender people had an extremely high unemployment rate at 26%, two times the rate of overall transgender samples and four times the rate of the general population. A startling 41% of black respondents said they had experienced houselessness at some point in their lives, more than five times the rate of the general US population. Black transgender people live in extreme poverty, with 34% reporting a household income of less than $10,000 per year. This is more than twice the rate for transgender people of all races, four times the general black population rate, and eight times the general US population rate. Black transgender people were affected by HIV in devastating numbers. More than one-fifth of the respondents were living with HIV, compared to a rate of 2.64% for transgender respondents of all races and 2.4% for the general black population and 0.60% for the general U.S. population. Furthermore, half of all the black respondents who attended school expressing a transgender identity or gender nonconformity reported facing harassment. Nearly half of black respondents reported having attempted suicide. On a positive note, many black transgender people who were out to their families reported that their families were as strong as before they came out. Black respondents reported this experience at a higher rate than the overall sample of transgender respondents. So the assertion that trans women are displacing cis women in a way is, in a word, absurd. Many trans women spend a superhuman amount of time, money, and effort to dress, behave, and pass as cisgender woman to reduce the terrible dysphoria that comes with living in a body that doesn't match their consciousness. They live in danger and fear. The goal for trans women to live as cisgender woman is to fit in. Trans women own nobody femininity. Without any uninvited outside concern, opinion, or bigoted behavior regarding their gender identity, they're not trying to one-up or replace a woman. Trans women also pay a great price for living their truth, coping with extreme violence and hatred, but always have remained and continue to remain at the forefront of intersectional resistance against bigotry. The need to gatekeep trans women for being who they are intrinsically is nothing but bigotry. TERFs represent a complete opposite of intersectional feminism, which is complex and covers so many other cultures and sexuality in its fight to end discrimination. No feminism that excludes the marginalized is intersectional, and any feminism that isn't intersectional is invalid. TERFs need to understand a simple truth. Trans women are women. As mentioned before, the ability to give birth, periods, and uteruses do not define what a woman is. TERFs and other transphobes often cite true womanhood as an argument, but what it does is reduce all women to their reproductive abilities. Transphobia aside, it assumes that all women are able to give birth, All women have periods, and all women have uteruses, which is not the case. The standards that are placed on people who are assigned female at birth are impossible, and these expectations are also placed on trans women to prove their womanhood. The reproductive labor that is thrust upon people who cannot, for many reasons, reproduce, is a reductionist and sexist view of what a woman is, that sums up womanhood into a patriarchal view of women's roles in society. Personally, I can't have children. I have one ovary. My uterus is a pretty fucked. Am I less of a woman because of it? Absolutely not. Bearing offspring is not the rent women pay for existing as we want to in this world. Those who deny trans rights while claiming feminism would prefer to be called gender-critical feminists, but that term too is terribly misleading. By definition, feminists are critical of gender, Of course, within feminism there are disagreements over whether we should be working to eliminate gender, expand our range of gender categories, and or reform society so that gender does not carry the same weight that it currently does. But no feminist at all thinks that gender is fine as it is. Calling people gender-critical feminists suggests that people like me, and indeed trans-feminists, are not making critical points about gender. A clearer term is called for. Anti-trans-activists. Using the term "turf" leads to misguided battles over what counts as a slur and, most importantly, obscures the truth about the nature of the real battle at hand. At the core, it is a contest over the rights of trans people. That is what needs to be understood and foregrounded. The words we use can help to determine how those rights are shaped and protected or not. The concerns of these so-called feminists are dog whistles, subtle political messages that are intended for a particular group. In this case, the particular group is transphobes. Trans-inclusive feminists, or feminists, can recognize these dog whistles for what they are. But for those who aren't as well-versed in turf rhetoric, these phrases seem benign and good-natured. If you read between the lines, these concerns show their true colors. That turfs believe that trans women should not be allowed in women's washrooms because they aren't real women. Trans youths should not be allowed to transition because they aren't really trans. They're just confused. That trans women should not be allowed in women's spaces because they are not women. They believe trans women are a threat to cis women. Turfdom is arguably the most reductive and restrictive approach to feminism. The phrase TERF in and of itself is an oxymoron. How can a group advocating for equality also promote exclusion? Although the word radical is in their name, TERFs have more in common with conservatives than they do with any feminist activist of today. TERFs have a long history of aligning themselves with anti-feminist causes just to deny trans people their intrinsic human rights. Feminism is, at its core, about liberation from patriarchy. Feminists should be interested in exploring womanhood and testing its boundaries, not restricting it. There is no space for transphobia, gender policing or bioessentialism in the feminist movement. That TERFs still feel comfortable in the feminist movement means that feminists need to work harder to make them unwelcome. It is equally concerning that the anti-trans movement appears to be getting traction in the mainstream media. There is indeed a lot of work to be done. Thank you for listening. I would like to thank my patrons for making this podcast possible and one Captain General Adams for their valuable input while writing this episode. Should you wish to support me, please subscribe to The Bipolar Feminist on Patreon or donate directly to Nikki Starfish on Coffee. See you next week where I will be talking about ADHD.